Hi everyone, welcome to the Be The Vessel podcast. My name is Daniel and I play the roles of channeler and intuitive psychologist, aiming to bridge all aspects of the healing arts while navigating my return journey to the stars. I interview those journeying through all aspects of healing, whether that be from more traditional Western frames or from a more spiritual or spirit-based connection. What I always find is that everyone is a bridge between worlds, a universe unto themselves, and a unique light that shines brightly for the collective. If you like what you hear and are interested in more of my offerings, consider joining the Be The Vessel community at patreon.com slash Atkins, where you will find various unique offerings bonus content, and podcasts such as my own channeled information and the new Be The Vessel healing series. May you find what you're looking for and remember the light within. David Devorah's journey has taken him from the hallowed halls of film school at the University of Texas at Austin to the bustling heart of the entertainment industry in Los Angeles. David's initial aim was to make films, but instead he found himself in front of the screen as an actor and later behind the screen as a junior talent agent and business manager. Alongside his career path, David discovered a profound passion for personal growth and human transformation. He explored the free-loving culture of music festivals and the transformative healing powers of psychedelics. The most profound chapter in his journey came with the discovery of ayahuasca, a plant medicine that opened the doors to mystical experiences. His work with Grandmother Ayahuasca sparked a deeper integration of spirituality into his life and led to the creation of his own YouTube channel where he provides a platform for individuals who have had similar divine encounters to share their stories, offering solace and inspiration to seekers in search of meaning and peace. David strikes a remarkable balance between his spiritual pursuits, his YouTube podcast, and his day job within the entertainment industry, modeling a balanced and integrative relationship to the spiritual path. I met David recently upon discovery of his YouTube channel and our shared interest in near-death experiences. David and I found an instant resonance and connection, and I am grateful to share his story as we explore the path that led him here. May this episode be a gift an invitation, and a medicine to come out of the shadows and into the light, shining your authenticity on the world stage and sharing your true self with all who are meant to receive you. So it's, I I have, I keep trying to surrender to it. The podcast is, yeah, it's something I, I'd like to keep getting better at really squeezing the juice out of the, out of this time. But at the same time, every time I show up and I check in, the guidance is just like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Just, you know, don't think too much. And But all right, so let's get into it, though. And let, let, let's see let's see how I do here. Let's see, let's see if we <laughs> let's can. Let's do it. Because you are, you know, since I've met you, which is very recent, all I've really known about you is this, this really deep mystical side of you and exploration that you dig into with, with people. And, and fr- from what I... I I know it extends more than this, but the area of near-death experiencing, which is has to be one of the most fascinating <laughs> things within the realm of spirituality and mysticism that you could that you could explore. And I heard your name on a podcast, and I just I just knew to reach out, but I really don't know much at all about anything that led up to your your current um, your current flow and your current experiencing. And when you sent me your bio, I just you know, I always look for what, you know, appeared to be kind of pivots or turning points and things like that. And, and so there, what there appeared to be a turning point for you where, um, I'm not even sure how you would describe it. You were just living life without this kind of awareness. And then there started to be some experiences. I know you mentioned, 
uh, this mastery and transformational training. I'm not sure if that was like one of the first openings for you, but um, my question would be, what what was that experience like? How did it shift your perspective or change your story? And, and what was your like? Pri- what was your life like prior to to that experience? Well, first, I want to say thank you for having me, and I'm so glad you found me because I feel like I know you already. Like we've had a couple of conversations, but I feel like I know you on such a deep level, and maybe because I've heard several of your podcasts, and we had a really great conversation on mine, but. Thank you for reaching out. And this is awesome. I love it. I love it. I love that we're talking about this stuff. This is literally my favorite thing to do is talk about this stuff. Same um, here, man. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was always really drawn to the spiritual side of things. Ever since I was little, I was raised Catholic. And I was the kid that loved going to church, you know. I just loved going to church. My parents didn't have to like ask me to go to church. I wanted to go to church. I remember having the flu one year and it was like Christmas time and like being sad because I had to miss church. And, you know, I had no idea. Like, it's so funny because like I, I've read the New Testament once and I have no idea what they're talking about in the Bible. Really, honestly, I'm just being honest. Like, <laughs> I couldn't quote anything from the Bible. I don't know anything. I just know Jesus. Like, I knew he was a good guy. And like, you know, <laughs> we and, and we love him. And he's the son of God. And like, you know, you're taught all these things, right? But I was just drawn to the bigger picture. I was just drawn to the idea of God. Like, what is God? And I felt God in my heart from such a young age. There was just like this knowing. And, and so the, the church for me was just kind of like, like my boat to spirituality. It was like, it, it, it like drew the map for me, you know, kind of like helped me arrive where I'm at today. Um, you know, my, my, my views have evolved and changed over the years and I, I'm not Catholic anymore, but I'm grateful for the church and actually I'm grateful for my experiences in the church. I know there's a lot of bad things that have come out of the Catholic church and religion in general, but I am grateful for, um, for being raised um, Catholic, for being raised with a religion at all. Um, And I have my parents to thank for that. My mom and my dad would pray with me every single day. We would kneel by my bed when I was little and we would say our prayers before bed. And I think that's really what formed me. And then I moved to LA when I was 23 and I continued to go to church. And then, um, I don't know, I, I started growing in a different direction um, when my world opened up. And that happened in 2007 when I went to the Mastery and Transformation Mastery and Transformational Training course, courses, um, which is a spin-off, I think, of EST and uh, Life Spring and Landmark, all of those that happened like in this, yeah. I think they were formed in the 60s. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of good things and bad things that I've heard from, you know, people who have had the experiences with these trainings. Um, but for me, I, all I experienced was the good. And it completely changed my way of thinking because we're, we're you know, raised to believe certain things. And we're so, well, let me speak for myself. I was raised you know, to believe certain things and so rigid in my beliefs. And um, it really helped me 
look at all of that and question all the things that I didn't question before and just kind of see things through a different lens. And then I don't know, like I, it was actually in that course um, that I had the realization that I needed to come out to my parents. You know, I, I, I had not come out to my parents um, and I was 27 years old when I realized this and, you know, being, you know, being gay, like all my friends were like, well, your parents will come around. Your parents will come around, like come out to your parents and um, they'll be okay. I'm like, well, you don't know my family. Like <laughs> my parents are very conservative and, you know, raised in small town, Texas and Catholic and Hispanic and like all of the things that are, you know, strict. Um, so I was scared. I was terrified. But this training helped me realize that and really understand for myself, like, holy shit, like, I don't want to lose my parents or and I don't want to, like, leave this planet without having the most open, honest, authentic relationship possible with them. Like, I want to give them credit for the ability to love me for who I am, you know, and and I'm not giving them that opportunity. So. Um, Anyways, I I came out to them and and this this whole thing um opened me up to so many things because I met so many great people in this in this class. I was introduced to Agape Spiritual Center, which is like um a transformative spiritual center here in, in Los Angeles. Um Reverend Michael Beckwith. I'm he's he's huge. He was on Oprah and he was in the secret and yeah, um yeah, I know I know Michael Beckwith. He's written yeah. several books, he's great. So that that kind of cracked me open even more. And I'm like, whoa, like this welcomes all religions and all faiths. And he's talking about Jesus in a completely different way. And then I found Marianne Williamson in, in the course in miracles and like more Jesus in a different way. And I'm like, Whoa, this is awesome. This is kind of like what always what I knew in my heart to be true. And um, that just set me on this, this like seeking path. You know, I've always just been a seeker and for me, it all kind of just fell in place. Um, everything just started making sense reading all of the self-help books and, and, and going to Agape and having conversations with other people who were just as interested in the divine as I was and who were raised in religion just like I was. And we all just like have helped each other understand that there is something more and there is something bigger and it's, you can't really define it. And I feel like once you put a name on it, then you diminish it to, to that name. Like it's just reduced to a name and to a label. I mean, even saying God is is like diminishing it to just it's such a heavy word you know it's so loaded um so yeah i've just always always been interested in in this path oh and going back to when i was little i i it was one point when i wanted to be a priest so like i i've always been interested in like the just living a spiritual life and let me see i don't want to skip any steps here but i along the way i discovered psychedelics Okay, well yeah, we're we're going to get into that, but okay. but bef- before we um before we cross that bridge. Um what what so what was it that you loved about church about, you know, the the visions of the priest of being in that space? What did what did you feel like it gave you and like yeah, God is such a heavy word even to this day. Even people who navigate the spiritual realms, which which you do and I consider myself to do, like choosing between a word like God or source or spirit or universe, like you know when you use God, it carries a little extra extra weight because of how it's 
been used historically, what you know, the the connotation of it, all of that. So yeah, what what did this religious world give you and uh and what was your relationship like with this idea of God before the turning point? Yeah. So there was something about stepping into a church that had like, I don't know, it was just so like ancient and mysterious. And I think I was drawn to the mystery and the rituals. You know, in the Catholic Church, you know, they wear robes and there's candles and there's incense and it's just very ancient, like just like had that feel. And there was just something about it that just kind of like, I don't know, it just, I, I think I liked the the rituals. I, I liked the mystery behind it. Um, and I really never understood eating the body of Christ and drinking his blood. <laughs> like I, even when I asked that question as a kid, I don't think I ever got a good answer. I mean, it's, I, I, I it's just something that you do because you love Jesus. <laughs> but I, I, I want to say that the Catholics actually believe that, I mean, it is the body of Christ and the blood, like it turns into that when you're eating and drinking it. So the, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it was mysterious to me. It was just, I feel like there was that part of my soul that connected to the divine through this religion, just from the energy of thousands of years of people praying and, and living in that experience. So I don't know if it was ancestral. I don't know. Maybe I was a priest in a past life yeah, all or, you know, a monk or something. But there was just something there that really drew me in and I really, really enjoyed it. And like, yeah, it was just super cool for me. It seems like it was connecting you to an aspect of life, an aspect of reality that we we weren't really getting or or you likely didn't really get in the other aspects, in the schooling, in the sports or whatever else. Yeah, you know, it really, that's true. And I, 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 I guess what it was for me also was a safe a safe space and a place where I knew that I was safe and I knew that if I was uncomfortable in life for whatever reason in any area, that that was my place where I was able to go and be okay. And I knew that there was at the time what I thought, a, a, you know, a, a God in the sky watching over me, you know? Um, so I always was drawn to that, like, the love that God really is, you know, just coming through faith and coming through religion. You know, someone told me on a pod, on one of my guests said, and it made a whole lot of sense. He, he died and went to the other side. Um, and I asked him, I'm like, did he, did they, did they show you or like talk about why there's so many different religions and like, what's that about? You know? And he's like, yeah, he was like, because God, didn't want there to be a time or place on this planet where there wasn't his representation or something like that. I'm, I'm probably botching this, but it was pretty much like it's the way that the divine shows up in society so that we have a place to connect with the divine. But yeah, it's better said on my on my I, I imagine it's like so that every culture in every time and place, the 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 awareness of that sort of collective mind and that and that people had a way to make sense of this energy of this expansive 
creation in their own way, because it was always going to be limited. It's still limited by our minds. But, you know, I'm sure in different cultures and different times and places, they had to be able to make sense of it in their own way. So I imagine it had to evolve differently that made sense for the, you know, that 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 place and, and time. Absolutely. Yep. That's it. You nailed it. <laughs> That's what I got from it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... Yeah, and we'll definitely get into some more of the, the NDE stuff. But but one thing I'm curious about is with with the gay identity, and I'm not sure when, you know, that became clear to you, you know, because I understand a little bit about Catholicism and particularly in, in Texas, did you still feel welcomed in the church? Did you still feel welcomed in the arms of God? Oh, so get this. Um, the very first person I came out to was my priest. Wow. Yeah, I was so torn because I was like, I got to the point, I mean, cause I, I, I knew I was attracted to the same sex when I was 13 years old, you know, when you hit puberty, when you like just starting to explore and discover things. And, um, and I was like horrified with the thought that I might be gay. Like I really didn't, I didn't know any gay people, but like, I thought I knew what, being gay was and I was not that in my head. <laughs> and had that had that already been taught as something that was unacceptable? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I just had this idea like just all of the stereotypes, you know, and they're awful. They're awful, you know, and it's just people that don't know any better. Um and I I was scared and I was scared until I was <laughs> 21 when I came out to my priest, you know. Um, I just remember calling him up one day and crying because I, I, so I was in college at the university of Texas at Austin and there was a little, the university Catholic center, which was like right across from my dorm. Um, and so I would go to mass on Wednesdays in the middle of the week and on Sundays. And I developed like a friendship with my priest because he was so cool. And, you know, um, just really like very just open and oh and there was a uh a gay men's association or whatever at the church and i was like whoa that's new wow yeah that's pretty progressive what's this yeah and so um so eventually i came out to him and uh he made me feel so good and he went into the history of the bible and why it says what it says and um just made me feel like i was normal <laughs> And I felt, I was just so happy to, to just, it was like a weight, a ton of brick just lifted off my shoulders. But even still, I still went to my, I wanted a second opinion, right? I like, I, I was like, he's okay. I, I, I feel better, but, but maybe he's wrong. So like, I went to my parents' church in like suburbia in Katy, Texas, like, you know, where it's really, really conservative. And I'm like, I'm going to go ask my priest there. I'm going to go to confession and I'm going to ask the priest there. And I got the same thing. Wow. I got, I got the same like love and acceptance. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, well, what the heck is going on then? If all these priests are saying it's like, it's cool. And God loves me for who I am. And God doesn't make mistakes. Then why is the church teaching something completely different? You know? Um, so it was really, really great. And then when I came out to my parents, um, 
you know, I wrote them this really long letter that I wanted to read to them in person because I wanted it to be perfect. And I knew that if I were to just come out to them without like, if, if I were to just come out to them and, and not read it off a page, I'd probably get too emotional and wouldn't get the words out. And I just, it would be a mess. I'm pretty emotional. I'm a crier. And, <laughs> and I really have to like, me too, man. yeah, I have to get my thoughts down on paper. So it took me like a good week or two to write this letter. And before I read it to my parents, I, um, I called uh, another priest at my parents' church and I said, hey, I'm about to come out to my parents. Um, can I read you the letter that I'm going to read to them? Um, let me know what you think. And he's like, sure, absolutely. And he's like, I read it to him. And he's like, wow, that's perfect. He said, don't change a thing. And he's like, I want you to know that you have my support. Your parents have my support and I want them to give me a call, reach out to me if they have any questions or issues or concerns. He's like, I deal with this all the time. And, you know, I want you guys to feel supported and held in the Catholic church. And I was like, whoa, this is just like, just one thing after another. I just felt so held, you know, and I was so fearful for so long. And so like, yes, and I, I, the Catholic church was so good to me, you know, and I, I'm blessed that I've had that experience in the church, you know. It's so amazing. And I just have to feel, you know, since our realities are often created or dictated in some ways by our, by our own mind, by our own higher mind, our own higher guidance, that, that your higher guidance was like, we're going to show David you know, the truth, the truth about his love and um, how truly welcomed and whole he is. I mean, just the, like, the irony of going to a priest in one of the most traditionally conservative areas in the country is just so amazing. It's like, wow, you really, God, or whatever other word we want to use, really wanted to, to get you that message, like really wanted to show you um, that you are loved for who you are. That's, uh, that's really yeah. incredible. Thank you. Yeah. It, you know, now I'm, you know, telling my story back, it's just, it is pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing when you look back and you see how everything lined up. And so fast forward to around 27 and I'm always, um, my, my ears always perk up because the, the very casual interest I have in astrology, uh, uh, it always perks up around that time between 27 and 30, known as the Saturn return, where Saturn returns to the the natal position, often a time of big transformation. Um, so you read this letter to your parents. How did they respond? Uh, it was hard for them. You know, I, I'm, it, it was tough. We, we, you know, we went through uh, a rough patch. Not never, it was never, um, they loved me regardless. They never stopped loving me. They never stopped showing love to me. They never stopped saying, I love you. None of that. Um, but they took it very hard and they blamed themselves. Um, so it, it was sad to see them suffer and to, you know, them to go through it. But I also just, you know, um, I'm not trying to convince anybody. I, I just want to be me always with them. And I think by now they know, you know, um, that uh, there's nothing to worry about. And we love each other very much. And uh, yeah, they've been amazing. They've 
they I'm, I'm very I'm very proud of them for um for how far they've come. And you know, it's like you said, you didn't want to live your life without giving them or anyone the gift of being able to love you authentically, right? And uh it's so amazing that that spirit gave you the gift of having that um support from these these other authorities from these religious figures. I'm sure that supported you during that time. Absolutely. It supported me and um in the trainings that I was going through, we had uh, in in the legacy program, which was the last of the three trainings. I and that so that was around the same time, around twenty seven. Yep, it was the same time. That's the reason I came out is because of this course. I was like, I'm like, oh my god, like because it really allows you to live authentically. I'm like, I'm not living authentically, you know. And having that realization and discovering that for myself, and not having someone, well, you better tell your parents and not, you know, I didn't tell them out of guilt. I didn't tell them because I was forced to, I didn't tell them because they caught me. Like I told them because I wanted to, like, it, it really came from me. And, um, we had a life coach in the course and I remember calling him for support before, you know, and like just freaking out, like, you know, reading him the letter and they were, so I had a lot of support, um, through, through the whole, the whole process. So Definitely, I definitely felt held by so many people and entities. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like a foundational value of this burgeoning spirituality, which really has become a foundational value for me as well, was the idea of being able to live authentic authentically. Would would you say that that was kind of creating the the bedrock of your of your journey? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I felt like I was living a double life up until that point, you know, and, and it, you know, hiding that one part of myself is a big part of myself, but it also like, yeah, it's, it, it kind of, it melts into other areas of your life. And, um, it, it was like coming out was the bedrock for, for, you know, change and transformation for me to be authentic and to be who I am today. And I had to climb that mountain, you know, it was the, tallest, highest mountain I ever had to climb, um, for me personally, um, to come out to my, to my parents and, you know, my dad and the military, you know, it's like, I, I don't think there was, there's been a, anything in life that was more difficult than, than that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can just say for myself, you know, regardless of what it is we're hiding, you know, and I've navigated my own feelings of shame and things that have just stayed hidden that I haven't felt comfortable sharing um, until, you know, very recently or, or, or even just coming to terms with, you know, releasing the shame. Right. Um, they're, they're big things. They're big parts of us. But in some ways, the fact that they're hidden makes them even bigger because it keeps us from just allowing it to be one more, th- one more aspect of us within the wholeness so that, so that we feel free enough to, have that part to own it and also just continue exploring the other parts without feeling like, yeah, I'm this one person, but then I have this really big thing that no one knows about. And in some ways for me, it's felt the more I'm able to reveal all of me, the less I feel the need to hold on to to any one particular part. I It's almost like yeah, these are the ways things show up now. These are the way; those are the ways things showed up then, and who knows how they're going to show up in the future. It's right. like uh, it's this big process of, for me, like 
stepping into a flow with my identities and not feeling like I need to hold them so tightly. Because mm. um, I, I feel in the past, I, I, I felt so attached to the things I felt shame about, or even the things I felt good about that were my strengths. And I would rather dance loosely with all of it, being like, yeah, I'm good at that, that's not so good at, you know. And, but almost just let it be like, like water. Yes, absolutely. And that's just learning and growing and putting it into practice and self-discovery to get there. But it took a while. It took a while for me to get there. I would, I would say for all of us. <laughs> yeah. But I'm so grateful. I am so grateful for, for that obstacle, for having that in my way. Like, because I learned so much from it. I grew so much from that experience. And yes, it was hard. And yes, there was a lot of tears shed and a lot of frustration and anxiety. But oh my God, it was so worth it. Because I, I, I've just, I feel like I've, yeah, like I've just learned and grown so much from that experience. Yeah. And so as you then stepped into this, this new sense of freedom, this new sense of authenticity, this new bedrock of, you know, knowing in a deeper way how wholly and fully loved you are because of your capacity to reflect on, you know, and share all aspects. Uh, where did the journey go from there? I sense that, you know, psychedelics and plant medicines were were a part of that next stage. And, and how did that unfold? Yeah. So, um, you know, there were whispers of magic mushrooms and I had heard it from my friends and, you know, seeing it in movies and I didn't really know much about it. Had you had you explored any substances uh, prior to that? No, just uh, just smoked weed. You know, when I was like, I smoked weed for the first time in college. I think I was like twenty two. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer. I didn't really have any like fun with party drugs when I was younger, like a bunch of kids did, um, which is great because um, you know uh, I discovered the fun stuff later in life, and at least I was like <laughs> responsible and can have right. you know. Um, (laughs) a healthy relationship with these substances. Um, so yeah, they came in at the right time, I think for me. Um, but I, uh, discovered, yeah, mushrooms from a good friend of mine who, um, introduced me to them in a very like responsible way and really educated me on them and introduced me to Terrence McKenna and Dennis McKenna. And, um, and, I remember like the very first time I did mushrooms, I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> okay. Okay. And it was just this like beautiful download of like, oh, okay. I can't, everything kind of just fell into place. Um, it was very beautiful for me, but a lot of it still at the very beginning, when I started with mushrooms, it was still very like, um, I was still exploring and adventuring with them. So like I would do them uh, at music festival. I discovered lightning in a bottle, which is this trans transformational music festival that happens in in Los Angeles. And it's amazing. It's so much fun and so beautiful. And I remember this was my first music festival and walking into it and being like, Whoa, like people are themselves here. And like, there's like people are just dressed however they want to dress and they're like there's a temple and there's people meditating and doing yoga and there's workshops and there's classes and there's music and people are like doing mushrooms and like 
like hugging each other and asking how you're doing and looking each other in the eye and being fully present. And I'm like, this is real. People actually act like this in, in real life. <laughs> and I was like, this is so cool. So like that completely opened me up even more. I was just like, you can be loving towards people and it's okay. I mean, I always knew that I'm, I've, I'm always loving towards people, but you know what I mean? It's it, for me, it was like, Oh, okay. So they've created this like little world, this little society. And I'm like, okay, so this is possible here at a festival. That means it's also possible outside of this festival. You know, people have the capacity to love and hug here. And I know these people go out into the real world and they have real jobs and they've got roommates. I'm like, so do they walk the walk? And I feel like a lot of them do. And then I got introduced to Burning Man, which was like a thousand times bigger and greater than lightning in a bottle, which is this whole world that they've created. And just more love and more possibilities opened for me. And that for me was, I feel like during this time of my life, I learned how to play and I learned the importance of play. I feel like so many of us are so stuck in autopilot in the day-to-day and that I have to get up and go to work and then I have to go to the gym and then I have the meeting and I have to do this and I have to do that. We forget to play. We forget to have fun. We forget, forget, forget to experience joy. And, and I feel like I have been playing for like the last decade of my life. <laughs> and it's, I, I, I love it. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like I, I don't feel old. Like, I don't feel like I've, I've gotten any older than when I was 23 years old, I've matured and I've gotten wiser, but I still feel so young and youthful. And I don't think I'm ever going to get old. Like, I don't think there's going to be a day where I feel old. My body might feel old. I might feel tired, but I don't think I'm ever going to get old. And I think that comes from just playing and tapping into the inner child and that knowing and that part of us that's just pure light and love and free, like just being free. There's just like, there's a freedom in playing and not caring about what other people are thinking and just doing what you want to do responsibly and having fun. Yeah. And uh, freedom is one of my biggest values. And, and I do feel that maybe one of the best ways to measure age outside of the physical body is the degree to which we can keep getting free. And almost like this cycle of if we were privileged enough to feel free as a kid, because not all kids do. I didn't actually feel very free as a kid. And I didn't uh, know how to play very much either. I just had a lot of constriction in my nervous system. So I, I really had to learn too. I, I'm, frankly, I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to play. But, but music, music was a place that I learned as well. Not always so responsibly, I must say. So I had to learn some different <laughs> lessons. But... But it sounds like for you that it wasn't just the psychedelics, but it was the culture that you were getting exposed to and different kinds of people and their their permission to be free and to play. Because as you were speaking, I was like, I wonder, I wonder how the experience of the psychedelics and the experience of these cultures compared to your what you resonated with about church. And but what one of my curiosities is that or senses is that maybe that that allowed more freedom and play in addition to the 
divine connection than than the church setting. Absolutely. Yes. I think that's what (laughs) I connect to the divine through play, through these festivals, through the community, through connection with other people. That's how I experience God. It's like those moments of pure joy when you're dancing with your friends, when you're laughing and loving and like just pure ecstasy. And I'm not even talking about being on any substances. (laughs) I'm just talking about like playing and having fun and laughing. And I, I, I find myself now just being so grateful in the moment when those moments happen, I I find myself just thanking God for this moment. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed. Like I just had it two days ago here in West Hollywood, the biggest Halloween party in the world is a block down the street from me. Half a million people come out and play in the street. And I felt so blessed to be walking down with all of my friends who live in the neighborhood and people you know, have drove in from other parts of town and meeting up here and just playing in the streets and just being so grateful that I get to live here and have fun and just really soak in those moments. Cause I mean, that's what life's all about is just experiencing joy and letting go and having fun and being silly. And I did that a couple of days ago and I'm just so happy. My heart is still so full and I'm still so very high from that experience. Just like having (laughs) so much fun. Um, I, I love, I love people. I love to love. I love connection. I love my friends. I tell my friends, I love them. I hug people like that's just who I am. And, um, and that's who I surround myself with other people who, you know, think the same way. Um, so yeah, I experienced the divine in, in my community and with others. Um, and, and on top of that, like in the gay community, gays play so hard. <laughs> they are the most playful group of adults I've ever met <laughs> because <laughs> aside from burners, but like, I think a lot of it is because gay men and women, a lot of us were robbed of a childhood, you know, um, we weren't able to express ourselves or be us or have the, the, the relationships that our straight friends got to have. That's changing drastically now. I mean, but from when I was growing up, that that didn't exist. So I think now we like we play hard and we have fun. <laughs> and it sounds it it sounds like that was always in your nature <clears throat> to resonate with a love frequency and to express it when you had the chance. But stepping into these new, more expanded realms of play, of curiosity, of freedom really allowed you to sort of really start to untap and uncork that part of you and see what you were really uh, capable of and, and, and how, um, how much it could imbue your life and fill your life with that, with that love. Absolutely. Yep. So were there, were there, um, I imagine there were, in addition to the group experiences and what you said, feeling the divinity of God through play and, um, and community, were there more, personal um, experiences, maybe even some solo or exper- experiences, or just lessons that um, deepened your connection with yourself through mm. uh, through the medicines. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so 
I, um, I was married once um, to my best friend and um, we had a beautiful relationship for nine years. And when that began to fall apart, um, I, we both uh, discovered um, ayahuasca and to help navigate the relationship and myself and self-discovery. And that for me was a huge turning point in my life. Um, Let me see if I could put it into words. (laughs) Mushrooms opened me up and allowed me to experience magic on a certain level. And ayahuasca helped me it, it kind of blew blew everything out of the water for me. It just showed me that magic really is real. And I was able to integrate, really learn how to integrate my experiences into my everyday life. Um, so not just going to a ceremony, you know, having an experience and then forgetting about it and going home and just going back and watching, you know, YouTube or TV or whatever coming back and still experiencing the divine and and maintaining that connection to the divine every single day. And I really believe that ayahuasca helped me get to that point. Um, Before it was more of an idea. It was like, well, I can access, you know, God through mushrooms. But then when I did Aya, it was like, oh, wow, I, I can have, I, I can, really cultivate this relationship with God through being fully present in every moment and just calling in God and my ancestors. So in ayahuasca, I had, I had a few experiences. Yeah. Let's get into that. Yeah. So the very first time, not the first time I did ayahuasca, because I've done ayahuasca about 24 times. I don't think I've done it more, but I, I, I keep a journal with every single experience in there. Um, and so the very first time I did it, I was like, whoa, I didn't know what I, what I felt. Yeah. Did you, so prior to your, because, and this is a generalization, but like, it sounds like for you, if uh, the mushrooms showed you God, maybe in the form of play and in community and, and that form of expression, which it has done for me and for many. Now mushrooms has also showed me deeper uh, parts of myself and trauma healing and, and all kinds of stuff. So I don't mean to paint it only in that corner, but uh, and I have not sat with ayahuasca yet, but from my understanding, you know, it's it's it, it's quite a deeper invitation than than just <laughs> than just the 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 playful, or maybe it can be that. But there are right. certainly layers to this game. So, had you how had you been prepared for uh, your the first initiation? Had um, had you learned about the medicine? Had had you spoken to people about what that might be like? Yes. So, okay, you said something that took me back, and I, I'm. I, I want to talk about it later. Um, uh, let's let's put a pin in it, but let's talk about. Uh, I want to come back and talk about doing five grams of magic mushrooms. Okay, which uh, probably took you deeper than play. <laughs> yeah, for, exactly. for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've done it. Yeah. I've done a, a few heroic doses, and we'll we'll go into those experiences later because one of them was wild, and yeah. then um, yeah, we'll go into. Uh, okay, so yes, yeah, so I had done a lot of research on ayahuasca 
Um, I had seen some documentaries. I had, you know, I went that route and was super blessed to find a a circle of uh, experts, facilitators who have been doing this for many, many decades. Um, and I feel so as in ceremony, you're, you're, the facilitators are there to hold you and to hold space and to be there for you to serve. Um, and so I felt very safe going into it and had done my research and knew exactly what I was getting into before. So when I went, it, completely completely exceeded my expectations i had i thought i knew what i was doing like from you know watching um documentaries and then i did it and i'm like whoa and you'd and you'd had it sounds like quite a few experiences with with mushrooms at that point as well yes quite a few and lsd so i had done both psychedelics um and mdma but mdma is more of a hard up opener I had done a uh, a ceremony before the ayahuasca ceremony um, with uh, mushrooms and, and MDA, which is sassafras, um, and but I had never done Aya. So yeah, when Aya came and knocked at my door, um, I was I was ready, and um, the first the first ceremony, I was like, I felt like I had been put in a blender and poured out into a cup i was like i don't know what just happened and so did you kind of did you kind of know uh quite immediately that this was categorically different than the other medicines you'd sat with at that point yes i knew immediately that it was different um again because it's in ceremony um there's the whole ritual thing again for me. Like, I think I'm really drawn. Right. Bringing back to church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going back to church and, uh, and, you know, taking the sacrament of, you know, grandmother ayahuasca and, and there's that whole, this very similar mysticism that the energy that the church has in it is also in an ayahuasca ceremony. You feel the energy of other presence there. Um, and it's very real. And I remember like the first few times doing it, I would look up and I would see like really tall shadows, like surrounding the circle, like huge, tall, like beings. I'm like, is that my eyes playing tricks on me? Am I just like, hi, but like, I don't know. It, but I, you feel the presence. So with ayahuasca, there's a lot that happens. There's stuff that happens visually. And then there's stuff that happens internally. And for me, a lot of it was um, internal. Um, you, it's a purgative. So you do yeah. throw up. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of that. And I have found that I really enjoy purging. <laughs> I don't like throwing up when I'm sick or I have the flu. But in ceremony, when you purge, you're letting go of trapped energy and toxins in your body. Like you're letting go of everything that you've been holding on to and doing some really deep ancestral healing. And it's wild because during there's a, a portion of the ceremony that's dedicated to the ancestors. And during that time, it's like something else comes into the room. I know what it is. It's your ancestors and takes over 
And I have done some like serious purging in, in during that portion. And I remember like, you know, they're singing in Spanish, they're singing in Portuguese. And I've had one time I had this grandfather figure come through and I, my journal's in the other room. I, I have a journal. Like I, he came through me and my body started shaking. I'm like this. And like, I first, I felt like my great grandmother with me and I felt like all of the trauma that she had been carrying and everything that she had been holding on to. And then I start purging, but I felt like she was purging through me and letting go of ancestral trauma. And, um, it's, it's a lot of really hard for me to put this into words. I know it sounds crazy, but not to me in, in this space, like I became, I was in a trance and, um, I felt my great grandmother enter my body and I started shaking and she had Parkinson's disease. The last time I saw her was probably like five or six, maybe seven. And she was like 90 or something. And she used to shake like this, like really, really bad. Um, so when she came into my body, I was shaking like her. And I didn't realize it until I was like, oh, my God. She came through and she had told me like she had been with me. She had been with me when I came out to my parents. She was with me. And um, she's the one that connected me to my ancestors. and. I've had a grandfather spirit come in like a, he wasn't like my grandfather, but like a, an ancient grandfather figure come in and mm-hmm. upload wisdom into me that I wrote down in a journal that was really helpful for me at the time. And, oh, I had them do this. This was the very first time that I was like, what? So yeah, wait, so this is still your first Aya experience. Is that correct? This is not, not now I'm kind of melting no, okay. them together. My very All first right. time, my very first, maybe two or three weekends doing ayahuasca was like, was great. And I, and I, you know, got my lessons out of it. You know, you get your, your, your morsels of wisdom, your downloads. Yeah. And then as the more I went, the more mystic, the more, the more uh, mystical experiences started to happen. It's like, I guess the way I would interpret it, it is like, you kind of get what you're ready for at the time. Yeah. And then as you deepen, and it, you know, from my experience, it doesn't just have to be with I, it could be, you know, just deepening in whatever way you're ready for through through various modalities, you kind of start to get more of what you're ready for, which can sometimes seems like you're not ready for it at all, but just starts to break through whatever other veils there were in your perception of what what's real Absolutely. and possible. Yeah, I think that's right. Every time you do ayahuasca, every time I do ayahuasca, it feels like wiping away a fogged mirror, like you're wiping a little bit. So it's like, I feel like finally, like as I started to do it and did it more and more and more, it did open me up more to having, I mean, it is a gateway portal to the other side. So they were able to come through and communicate with me. I was more receptive to them coming through and communicating with me. And it's a very, very, very clear that this feels like even on mushrooms it's like i know that i'm thinking thoughts right i know that they're my thoughts um but there's a point in ayahuasca where i'm like oh they're here and i'll feel a light come in from the right side back here i'll see it 
um, I won't see it in front of me, but it, uh, my eyes will see it as if it's being sh- shined, shown, shined behind me this way. Um, and so I like, I see this, this light come from behind. And I remember like the first few times I'm like, always looking back, like, what the heck is that? And then, so now I know like that, okay, that they're here. And then I start shaking. And so like, there's certain signs they give me. And then I feel, and I, and it's so interesting because even in that space of them coming in, the ego can be so strong. I've had it come in and sabotage them before and kick them out. They're like, at one time, my ego was just like, oh, your ancestors are here. Oh, really? Oh, right. yeah. Like, that's not real. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's happening. You know, yeah, it's so, your, so cliche. So yeah, cliche. <laughs> you know, you know, it's just your, it's your thoughts. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is why I'm here. Why are you doing this ego? Fuck you. Like, and then there's the resistance that comes. And then the more that you resist, of course, it persists. And so it's like, fine, you got to let go. And then once you let go, it's like, okay, then they can come through again. But like, there's just so much work that goes on in an ayahuasca ceremony. Well, and well, and what I just want to say is after that sort of opening, did you ever start to have any of those sort of what I would call channeling experiences outside of the medicine? Because what you're describing is actually very similar to uh, my my channeling journey, which is a not starting to know, uh, starting to not really know what thoughts were mine and sort of navigating that realm. And then you know, and this happened to be under the medicine too, but but really just, you know, in in a sober state, mm-hmm. feeling yep. feeling things come through and shaking and but then my own doubts and am I making all this up? And yep. so all, all of that, it it almost it to me, it validates that it this isn't even really inherent to one plant. But it's actually just an ex- a, a, an experience that we're all actually invited to step into in various ways or forms of readiness, whether it's in a church or, in my case, in my bedroom sitting on the floor or under the influence of a powerful medicine. For many, it seems like the, the palpability, like the real visceral nature and strength of a medicine like Aya grants permission to mm. the really strong belief system of the mind to be like, this is coming in whether you want it or not. Yeah, that's what it, yeah. Aya just opens that door wide open for you. It just, it's here, it's obvious, like they're coming through and you can ex- receive it or not. Like if your ego wants to get in the way, fine, whatever, or you can have the experience. Um, and I think I'm finally ready for the experience. So that's why they've been coming in. But yes, I have found, this is why I say I is so special because it opened me up to bringing those experiences into my everyday life now. So now I, I know when I get a download from spirit, I know, well, so, I mean, I guess that's essentially me channeling. I'll have thoughts and I'll write stuff down in my notes when I have these downloads I did today at the gym and I know it was spirit. And it's usually when my heart is open and like, when my heart is open, I'll have like, Oosh, they'll, they'll rush right in. I've even been driving before listening to some medicine music from ceremony and I felt spirit come in and I was like, whoa, they're here. And, but I'm like, okay, I'm safe. I know that they wouldn't put me in, an, in a space where I would have an accident, but I ended up like going to the right lane and in the right lane, there was a construction truck going like 20 miles an hour because they were putting cones down or something. And so I ended up just staying behind them while spirit was coming through me. And I'm like, 
okay, this is perfect. They actually kind of guided me and put me in this lane or knew that this truck was going to be here. So they put me in this lane because they knew that I was going to have this experience and remember it and like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So yes, I, I do have these experiences outside of ceremony now, now that I'm open to it and I understand. And like I say to a lot of my guests and probably with you is like, it's like learning a new language is like, under, like how understanding how spirit comes through and how it, it speaks to you with signs and symbols and the way that you feel and the goosebumps and the heart and like everything kind of comes in all at once. So you, I'm sure, you know, I know how spirit feels when they, when they come in and I have ayahuasca to thank for that because before I didn't really have, I didn't, I didn't know how that, you know, how to navigate something like that or that it was even possible, you know? And it feels like for all of us, you know, unless, you know, I know there are some people out there, many uh, people with quite advanced psychic gifts will describe just sort of knowing spirit as a kid and seeing angels and stuff like that. That really wasn't my experience. And, you know, I was raised in a Jewish family and I, I really didn't connect to temple or I didn't really, I didn't feel safe there. I didn't really feel, so I, I didn't have many places at all. I think, you know, music was a discovery for me and then, you know, um, you know, different experiences, but I feel that a lot of these tools are maybe one of the greatest gifts they give us is resensitizing us to this realm, which is really a part of us. It's 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 as innate to us as anything we call home in this realm. 100%. But we have all very conveniently and very powerfully forgotten you know, honestly, when I saw the movie The Matrix, I something just clicked. I was like, yo, this is real. I mean, not necessarily all the machines and everything, but I was mm -hmm. like, there is a version of reality that we all clearly buy into that a part of me just didn't buy it. I was like, I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to get out of this. I don't I I don't know what else there is. I don't even know if I could be a successful person if i didn't totally buy into this game but but i just don't i just don't and i feel like a lot of these tools give us permission to see like there really is a bigger game there really is a bigger presence like you described feeling in some and actually when you were speaking it really elicited something in me which was like i really love the ritual too and I, I was always someone who pushed back against ritual. I was like, you are not going to get me to conform. I didn't like school. I didn't like, this is why I didn't like temple either. I, just, I didn't like rules. But there was also a part of me that still wanted to be a part of something bigger. I just didn't know what. And so these kinds of rituals, feeling like you can feel safe and feel held and feel that the larger game is loving you and not punishing you. Um, yes. and that And that you can be sensitized to it in a way where you don't need any one particular tool to access it. That, to me, has been one of the greatest gifts where you feel empowered to be able to, you know, call that in or, or just be open to the experience when it's ready to come through. Absolutely. Um, I am so grateful for this awareness. And that is the greatest gift I've ever been given is the realization that God is real. And I started recently the because i have i sit by my altar in the mornings um and i do carve out that time in the morning i've i'm like well spirits with us all the time and i have these amazing experiences in ceremony and with spirit like why don't i just sit in the morning and call in 
the light, my ancestors and angels to be with me and just talk and just have that moment together. And so I, I do that every morning and I call in the light and as soon, Oh, I, I need to go there. Cause the audience doesn't know what I'm talking about yet, but let me, um, let me get to that in a second. Um, but I, I thank them for the, this awareness. I'm like, thank you for this awareness. And I was telling um, my friend the other day, I've actually told a couple of friends now. Um, I now, because of my experience that I'm about to, to share, I now know that God is real because of an experience that I had. Like, I know that there's something more because of an experience that I had um, that validates everything else and puts everything else right into place. Um, and it's given me that awareness and that I am so grateful for. And I, and I was telling someone, you know what, if someone were to come up to me and be like, here's $5 million, here's $5 billion (laughs) right here. And it's yours, but I'm going to take away your awareness that God is real. I'm going to take away your experience. I would not, I would absolutely turn away in a heartbeat. Not in a million years would I trade my experience for any amount of money because my experience has, I feel so free, so liberated because of my experience, you know, and life's not easy. And I know that I have a lot more hills to climb and I know there's going to be a lot more challenges in the future, but just knowing that there's something more and something bigger and something greater helps me get through it so much easier. Like it just, I'm like, okay, I know that I'm supposed to be having this experience. What is the lesson in this moment? And, and I know I'm not alone, so I feel okay. And even though it might feel dark and it might be scary and I might be suffering or a loved one might be suffering, I know that it's all one, just temporary, but two, that there's a reason for it. It's part of a greater plan and that we're being held. And what more can I ask for? What more can I want? But to trust that and to know that. So that is something that now I'm like, wrap that into my morning prayers and just like, thank you. Thank you for this awareness. Thank you so much. And just starting my day with that is just so amazing just to open my heart. Like I call in the light in the morning and I just start smiling because I go right back to that place. And so what I'm talking about um, for those who haven't heard is I was going through a divorce and it was it was it was awful it was horrible it was my best friend and um the relationship was no longer sustainable and i i was my i was emotionally rock bottom you know and i went into this ceremony because i i didn't know what to do i i i didn't know how to navigate this and I was so heavy and I just had so much, I was just so conflicted 
And I, I went into this ceremony. It was like my hail Mary. Like I'm, I'm just going into this cause I, I need answers. I need answers. Um, so I went in and my intentions were self-love, um, letting go of all that doesn't serve me and inner peace. And I felt like those are good intentions. Okay. So you, before ceremony, you go in a circle and everybody sets their intention. And then you drink the medicine, you go back to your seat and it's all dark. It's candle lit. Uh, nobody's talking. It's like one of the main rules is no talking, no communicating. I mean, you can laugh, you can cry, you can vomit, you can yell if you need to. You can you express can ask, in, in all can ways, express, not necessarily yes. conversationally. Just, yeah, because as soon as you, t- and that's why they discourage people from, like, if you know someone or sitting next to a partner for the first time or the first couple of times is because if you see them struggling or going through it, as soon as you touch them and ask them if they're okay, you take them out of their experience. Um, and then you also come out of your experience. So it's like, you kind of have to let them go through it. And if someone really needs help, you call for help from a facilitator and then they'll come and help guide them if they really need help. So for me, it was um, sitting there with my intentions and my stomach was, oh my God, it was in like knots. I never felt this this pain in my stomach in, with ayahuasca. Usually like you get like really nauseous and you'll throw up or you'll like have to go sit on the toilet and empty your stomach out. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't do either. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, this is awful. This is awful. So I went up to a facilitator, um, in between the first and second cup, he's like, well, wait until the second cup and we'll see if you know what, what you can do. Just trust the medicine. The medicine is working through you. I'm like, okay. I went up for the second cup and then went back and yeah, still like stomach was in pain. So eventually I went up and I, I asked him to serve me hape, which is a uh, sacred tobacco. It's like a snuff and they, they blow it in each nostril and it'll help you purge. If you need to purge, um, it can also help you go deeper into your experience. Um, and so for me, my goal was I need to purge. I need, I need this out of me. Something's like not right. And I was sitting there doing it. Um, my palm chakras were on fire. My heart chakra was on fire and they have feathers. They're like, like banning you and doing the blessings. And immediately, um, literally I thought I was going to shit myself. Like, I'm like, Oh, it's happening. Oh no. Oh no. Um, so I went to the restroom and uh, still had like the decency to like line the toilet paper toilet with toilet paper. (laughs) Sorry if it's TMI guys, but um, I'm getting to, I'm getting somewhere here. (laughs) So as I said, um, the, the stall, everything is candle lit and there was a little tea light in the corner of the stall. And I thought I had to use the restroom. And I didn't. So you don't have to worry, guys. It's not going there. I'm not going to get gross. But uh, I, I'm sitting on the toilet and um, I'm looking at the tea light. And there is a song 
And this one of the lyrics of the song is you are surrounded by the light. And it's one of my favorite songs in, in ceremony. And I'm like thinking like, man, I'm missing my favorite song, but I could still hear it being played. And I'm looking at the light and I'm kind of singing with it. And as I'm looking at the light, the light starts to grow like this white light from this little, little candle flame starts to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, it's like this beautiful pulsating orb. And I'm not talking about like this little, like, like it is growing bigger and bigger. And it's, there's like this sound of like the ocean or wind and all of this was happening at once. Okay. So like, I'm crying, I'm like letting go emotionally, just tears in my eyes because I just, you know, that place where you're just like rock bottom and you like just ugly cry because you, that's all you can do is just cry, cry, cry. It's like hyperventilating, crying, snot running down your nose. I am just at, I, I, I am so at my bottom right now. And it was one of those cries, letting go of everything I can hold was holding on to. And that was the purge in this moment. It wasn't that I had to use the restroom. It's that I had an energetic release and I'm purging and I'm crying. And as I'm crying, that's when the light started to grow as I'm hearing this song and I'm singing it crying. And then all of a sudden, like this light starts to grow and it's this beautiful white orb that's pulsating and it's huge. It's filling the entire stall. And it's like, it's pulsating. It's making this beautiful noise. I look around because I'm so in shock by this. I, 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 your first thought, my first thought was that, that sound it like it, there's not, that sound shouldn't be coming from any, there shouldn't be a sound right now. There shouldn't be an ocean breeze. There shouldn't be any sound because it was like flying. It was like, and, and so I looked to see if there was a wind, there was no windows. It was a complete closed bathroom. It was a stall in a bathroom with no windows. It was in the middle of a building. And um, the light started, it was pulsating. And as I'm looking into this light, I become one with the light. I am the light. I instantly, instantly was able to let go of everything that I had been holding onto. The weight that I had been carrying was just instantly gone. It was this release. And all of a sudden, I'm one with the divine. It's me in this light. I am the light. I am one with everything and everyone. I remembered where I came from. I remember, I, I know exactly where I'm going next. I, I, my, my tears, my tears of despair are now tears of laughter and joy and remembrance. Cause now I'm home. Remember that I'm home. Like it felt, it was this knowing it was like, Oh my God. Like I, I could not believe that I was, that I, that I was experiencing this. It was, it was, it felt like God, like God just like came in, like hugged me and like wrapped its arms around me and showed me that I was okay. And that everything was okay. Everyone was okay. And that my, my husband at home is okay. 
and that he was going to be okay. And that this was just, all of this was just all part of God's experience. And I, <laughs> I couldn't, I, 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 in that moment, I, as I'm like crying out my tears, I'm like happy tears and like tears of joy and ecstasy. And like, what is going on? <laughs> like, this is a miracle. Like it was a miracle. It was like, this is straight out of the Bible. This is ancient text stuff here. This is like, what is this happening right now? Really? And as soon as the human mind, my human mind came in, um, and it was like, my physical body was like vibrating so hard. My hands were open and my physical body couldn't contain it anymore. I was like, it was almost on the verge of being painful. It was so good. As soon as I had that thought of this is not comfortable in my physical body, the light with so much grace started to gently, slowly recede back into a tiny little flame. And along with the sound, the sound also went with it. It was just like, it was like that gone. And I was left with this unparalleled gratitude. I was so amazed by this divine love, beauty, this power, this force that I collapsed into my lap and just couldn't do anything but say thank you over and over and over again. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was just so grateful. And I had like the greatest, literally the greatest gift I had ever been given and will ever be given until I see God again one day. And I collapsed in my lap saying thank you over and over. And I had like this connection. Like I felt like, oh my God, this is literally like, this is something out of the Bible. And I'm thinking of like Christ consciousness. And I'm thinking, this is what Jesus was talking about. It's what Jesus was coming to talk about to everybody. <laughs> Jesus was trying to explain, like, what? <laughs> and I thought of, like, instantly, all of these thoughts are happening so fast. Like, I, I, I felt my own death and resurrection, the old me dying and the new me being reborn in that moment as I'm thinking of Christ consciousness. And as I'm thinking of Christ consciousness and everything, the single drop of blood fell from my nose and landed in the bucket in between my legs because I had my pur purge bucket with me and that drop of blood symbolized Christ for me. It, I, my nose never bleeds. I never, I've never had a nosebleed. I don't remember if I have ever had a nosebleed. I, maybe when I was little, but it was just the timing of everything, the synchronicity of the blood and the everything, the death, the rebirth, the God, the light, the everything all at once. I was just reborn in that moment. And I sat there on the toilet and I just could not get up and didn't want to. I, I thought for a second there that like while it was happening, that this was happening to everyone everywhere, that we were all ascending ascending and we were this was it like this is what they talk about this like this is what this we've is been it. waiting for folks this is it. God, ne next level <laughs> yes i did it i got to the final level i didn't even have to die <laughs> um that's what it felt like and i remember like thinking like 
I was, I, I, I thought it was just so freaking cool. I'm like, this, how did this just happen? I'm, I'm literally going to be sitting next to Oprah telling her about this experience because like it, it, in my head, in my small mind at that moment, yes. I was, it was yes. try processing so much, just like, yes. Yes. just try like all these thoughts, right? Like even me wanting to go into the other room and scream and yell, did you guys see that? I saw God. Do you like, but then like, just being like, no, David, like, no, this, this, this is your experience right here. And they told me like, spirit was with me still. And they were like, you know, this is with you, but watch your words, watch your words, watch your words. And I got up and I, I finally got out, exited the stall and went to the bathroom to wash, went into the other room to wash my hands. And I looked at myself in the mirror. And for the first time I saw myself and I said, I love you. And I meant it. They meant it. It wasn't me just doing an affirmation. I love you. It was me. It was me. It was me. Really me. My higher self, me. Coming through me. Telling me I love you through me, to me, for me, through me, to me, for me, in me. Like, just this, like, I love you. And like, what? It was like God telling me I love you. But it was me. It was it was wild and beautiful. And I just laughed and washed my hands and was like, I can't get, this is, this is it. Like, how does it get any better than this ever? And I uh, walked out of the bathroom and there was uh, in this building, there was a, just a random couch by the bathroom. And I, I lay, I laid on the couch and I hugged myself and I just hugged myself like this. And it, it still felt like spirit was with me because they were like, like holding my face and just like, I love you so much. I so, 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 so much. And I just couldn't stop telling myself, I love you so much and hugging myself. And it was like, I was being held. I was still being held by this presence. And it was the most incredible experience of my life. And one that, I can, and it's impossible to ever forget, but like just telling you, and I, I go back to that place. And so what I was saying before is every morning, what I do is I call in this light. I call in the light because it's there and it's real and anybody can call in the light, whatever the light is for you. And it's there, even though you might be able to see it, it's there. And I know it's there because I saw it and it doesn't go away. Even though we can't see it with our physical eyes, we're not supposed to see it. We're human. We're here to be human beings. Um, and so I call it in every morning with my angels and my ancestors. I set my intentions for the day. I give my thanks and praise and just spend my, my time there and then get up and go on with my day. And um, that's how I start every day. And for me, it's just been a blessing because it really does set the tone. For the rest of my day. So, wow. <laughs> Firstly, thank you so much for sharing, you know, sharing not just the story, but, but really, but all of it and all of you. Um, I'm really uh, grateful to have, you know, been presence to that with you. And, and I resonate because I haven't had that exact experience, but I've had similar feelings. Um, I've had similar knowings. I've also had you know, wild ideas about what's going to happen after and, and what this means for the world. And, all. and then, but my question is, 
uh, you know, and you kind of answered it already that you practice calling it in, but I have found personally after a quite revealing or vivid experience that there is a kind of natural come down, not, not in the sense of like a drug, but in the sense of a come down from spirit. It's like, okay, we're here, but you still have to, like you said, you still got to go on and live that human life. And, and part of you is like, why? I no, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Uh, Take, take, take me up, take me up. Um, but, (laughs) but we're not there yet. And I actually know from a lot of your interviews, Mm-hmm. with NDEers that a lot of them are like, man, I don't want to be back here. <laughs> what I saw was so good. I don't want to be back. So how did you, was that hard for you to reintegrate or to make sense of that experience as you go about your day? And and I, I imagine that led you to where you are now in terms of, you know, starting the podcast and, and wanting to talk to more people who have had mystical experiences, but how was that reintegration process for you? Yeah. So I know, yeah, a lot of near, near death experiences actually become suicidal. There's like a, a pretty high percentage, uh, coming back. Um, and for me, because I was already at a low point in a very, very challenging spot already, what this did for me, because I knew even even after the experience was over and I was still in the stall, I remember thinking, Hey, I, my, my challenge is still there. I still have a very long road ahead with my divorce and leaving my best friend. Um, and I knew that it was going to be an uphill battle. I knew that not only that experience, but many others down the road that I was just going to, the world is still there. It's still spinning and life is still happening outside of this ceremony. Um, but what it did for me was allow me to, to go through my experiences with more ease and grace. So having, having this and going back to having to do the most awful thing is leaving your best friend. It it was, it was so hard. It was so hard still so hard. And knowing that I mean, there's so many layers to this story that I I can't share, but it was just really difficult uh, for me to go through this experience of divorce. But I I was able to because of my light experience. So no, I I didn't really go. I didn't really kind of have. I didn't have a come down from it. Um. And it did the opposite for me. It it always boosts me um, because when I hit a low point or a scary point or a challenge, I'm like, oh, this is whatever. I'm I'm human for a little bit. <laughs> I'm so much more and so much greater um, than my 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 experience right now. These circumstances are temporary, um, good and bad experiences you know, which also humbles me, you know, when I'm having a really great experience, it's like, okay, this is a great experience, but you know, eventually it's not going to be great. And that's the beauty of life is just learning how to navigate the ups and downs and just being present and grateful in every moment when, whenever you can be. Yeah. And I resonate so much with that, which is that, you know, because some people feel that uh, substances uh, used in this way, or really, or spiritual, or spirituality as a whole is a kind of escapism. But really, the most beautiful gift is actually allowing us 
to lean in and let life be what it is and ride the roller coaster with a deeper trust and faith that that we are held by something and and I will be the first to admit that you know I'm still invited into deep wounds where there's so much doubt and there's so much fear and where I'm you know uh, I'm questioning I'm questioning everything but I but there's like this part of me it's not even a part of me that is forming a particular belief or is saying some affirmation it's just this part of me that's observing that kind of knows like that this is greater your your life is greater than this experience it just it is and i don't i can't even say how that conviction like where you cross the 50% mark because i don't think it's come from just one experience for me but the culmination has opened something that I'm just not, I I really don't believe is ever going away Um, as deep as it gets, as hard as it gets. And, and I've had some, some hard days very recently, even, even today was quite challenging for me with some emotions popping up out of nowhere. But um, yeah, there's, there's some bedrock of faith that it doesn't even, it doesn't make it necessarily less painful but it um but there is an ever present faith that that all is well <laughs> on some level on yep. some level beyond what i can beyond what my mind can know or say all is well <laughs> all is well it's like yeah all these little experiences like you said I, they do all allow you to connect to that part of yourself that light inside of all of us that is the divine um and it's like we remember it's like oh i it's like locking it's like locking things into place you know each little experience like oh yeah okay and you, you you can't forget you can't unsee or unlearn something that you've already learned you know and I think I think what it also does for me, which I sense is what it does for you, is it reminds me that I can go toward the light. Because in the past, I suffered a lot as a kid and as a young adult. I didn't really know that there was anything I could go toward. It was kind of like, I'm in pain. It's very chronic, you know, both physical and emotional. And it's kind of like, I guess I just got to wait for there to be a better day. And on some level now, I definitely still advocate for riding the wave. But when I feel capable, I also sense that there is something I can actively go toward. Um, It's still very much a process of surrender, but I can even just call in. I can pray and I can believe it. I can pray with a true trust that there is someone or something listening. And I can, you know, practice doing what I do, which is uh, channeled communication and writing and just, and just putting myself into a higher vibration as best I can. I, I, you know, maybe it's only for um, a blip or, or maybe I just can't always get there. But I think having something that I trust I can go toward has really supported me in moving through the shadows. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good feeling to have that, to have that to move towards. Like it's, 
I can't imagine how lost I would be without it. <laughs> Coming out of that foundational, really, I mean, uh, life changing in in you know in the most literal way we could we could speak to it, right? Life changing experience that that um, that didn't leave you and and likely never will. Uh, it I imagine it fundamentally changed your perspective of reality, um, or at least expanded it. So you, to this day, you still have, uh, you know, a nine to five gig. And, uh, how did you, how did you navigate that? I asked you this even, you know, before we started, it sounds like you still enjoy that job and, you know, you're, you're still open to the possibilities, but that it maybe provides a sense of balance. How did you navigate, um, continuing to engage with this world that at least on the surface appears devoid of some of that um that realm not necessarily the light but but the more explicit spiritual knowing yeah it's really interesting um yeah so i i work as a business manager you know i do the books for people in the industry in the entertainment industry and it sounds very like you know <laughs> i mean how matrixy yeah, very matrixy. Like, how opposite <laughs> of spiritual can you get? <laughs> but um, <laughs> I am blessed to uh, work for my friend. My friend started a business a few years ago, and we left our firm. And I, I worked, I, I work for him with him. Um, we helped build this business together, and um, and it's great. Um, I because we are smaller. I can have more like interpersonal relationships with my clients. And, um, I always try to bring peace, like serenity and love into my communication with them. You know, money is a very intimate thing, you know, and you, you have to have a lot of trust to give all of your access to all of your money to someone really so just to be there for my clients and to support them and to make them feel safe and secure and um, uh, be of service in other ways besides just being their money manager, but, you know, asking them how they're doing. And like, you know, um, I just try to shine my light wherever I go, you know, and that's one of the things I ask in the morning is like when I'm sitting at the altars, like, how can I be a vessel? How can I be a channel for love to flow through? And I try to take that into my, uh, into my workplace and with my clients. And of course, like it is easy to get caught up in, you know, problems at work too. And, you know, maybe some clients are maybe not patient or they have, you know, they're going through, things like divorce or whatever themselves. So, you know, everything's very frantic and lawyers and stuff that I have to deal with. Um, but I feel like this experience and, and this knowing and this awareness is very grounding. So I don't allow myself to get swept up or caught up in the drama of work or the drama of my client's drama. I can be conscious of that and separate myself from it. And you know, um, and just try to be kind of like a rock and uh, calm for for my clients who might be struggling. Yeah, and it sounds like the spiritual experiences didn't guide you to turn away from 
more traditional life, but actually to lean in in some ways and and really play the role, play the character, play to your strengths and imbue uh, that role with the light. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I, you know, I'm not trying to go to go off and become some guru that, you know, teaches everybody how to be spiritual or to be an ayahuasquero. To, I mean, I'm not trying to be a facilitator or anything. I mean, it'd be kind of cool to be a facilitator, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> I don't think that's my journey, my path right now. And um, just to live the life that I was living, but to live it with more joy and more bliss and um, to take my heart and my my wisdom and my experience with me and to, to share with others, you know, or to be an example and just to, and and to have fun doing it. Like I, I still love to go play and go to the bars with my friends and hang out and be human. I love it. I love going to dance parties. I love going to underground warehouse parties. Like I love to be human and to have the human experience um, but it makes me more grateful for those moments and, and more conscious and aware. And, you know, some people are caught up, um, can be caught up in, in, in the world and with, you know, whatever materialism and stuff like that. And I just, I, that's not me. Um, but yeah, I'm still living the life. I'm still like a normal everyday person, but I do like to share my experiences um, you get me talking about the spiritual, the divine, or ayahuasca with any of my friends, and I won't stop. <laughs> well, and not only do you like to share your experiences, it clearly led you to explore uh, a little bit of an extracurricular hobby of interviewing others. So, yes, <laughs> um, how did so? How did you? Because clearly, I mean, so in the one sense, these experiences, um allowed you to lean fully in to all of life. And it also, it seems like it sparked a curiosity for you to pursue it a little extra so you could connect a little more to some of these other experiences. How did that develop? Right. So I, uh, at first I had this huge experience that changed me and, um, yeah, it it was so big. Um, it's, it's, how do you, how do you share that with someone? Like, how do you go, how do you talk to anybody about that? Like I, I shared it with a few friends close to me and like people in my community and, you know, a couple of my family members, um, my parents, but, um, it's not something you can just go tell anybody, you know, if they don't know who you are, they don't know your world or anything, or if they're not open to it, not everybody's open to it. Not everybody wants to hear it. And that's fine. And I respect that. Um, but I, I did, I've, I had a few ceremonies after where I was sitting at, uh, I was sitting in ceremony and I saw myself hosting a podcast and I laughed. I'm like, I don't even know how to do a podcast. Like, I don't even, I don't have a, I don't have, I don't know what to do. Like this, I, I don't see myself doing that. Um, but spirit kept nudging me like ceremony after ceremony, like share your experience. And I realized like, it's not serving anyone by holding it in. I had this experience for a reason. Yes, it was for me, but it was for everybody else too, you know, and it doesn't serve the world to hold it in. And like I said, I'm not going to go preach it, tell everybody to go do ayahuasca or to go be spiritual, you know, no, like everyone's got their own path and their own journey. And 
They are exactly where they need to be. And I respect that. But for those who are curious, for those who are seeking, you know, I wanted to provide a platform for people to come and find serenity and find find peace in whatever they're going through, because that's what I like to do. And before I had, before I discovered ayahuasca, I was one that would like, I'd go to YouTube and I would listen to near-death experiences and I would listen to, you know, all kinds of podcasts with people talking about connecting with spirit because it made me remember, it made me like, it grounded me and it, it feels safe and feel like, oh, okay, yeah, there is more. Okay. Yeah. I have this, this problem right now, but thank you for reminding me podcast, you know, thank you for reminding me interviewer and guest. And so now I get to be that, you know, I get to bring people on my podcast who have had experiences that hopefully somebody will hear the message that needs to hear it, you know, and I'm still a baby podcaster. I don't have a lot of followers, but I'm growing consistently. And the messages that I get is exactly why I'm doing it. You know, when people reach out, they're like, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you. That's why I'm doing it. If, you know, if it changes one person's life, if one person has a better day because of it, then yes, I feel like I'm doing something. And and I feel so complete. I feel so good. And uh, uh, it's so fulfilling for me to do this podcast because that like years, a few years ago, I was like, ah, oh, I got to find a job that where I feel fulfilled. I, I don't feel fulfilled with my job. I need something that's meaningful or I can go do something meaningful and have the job that I have. You know, it's not like I have a horrible job. Like I think a lot of people have jobs that they would prefer to be doing something else. Right. But like, we could still go do meaningful things and we could still shine our light and serve our purpose on this planet. It doesn't have to be your career, but a lot of us think, Oh, my career isn't, I'm not serving the planet. I'm well then go serve the planet, go do something, you know, else in addition to your career, you know, and then it, it makes my job a lot easier and a lot, um, I don't know, just more graceful. Like showing up at work now, it's like, I don't dread it. I don't dread going to work because I feel like I'm doing something, you know, and I, uh, I enjoy my day job and I enjoy my podcast. And there might, there might in a way create less pressure to make your day job more than it is. Like you might not put all the response or all the weight on your day job to fill you up in all the ways that you need, allowing it to be more compartmentalized, knowing that you have created other spaces in your life to serve or even just not not that more explicit spiritual pursuits are serving, just like you said, any more than being an accountant or wherever. If it lights you up, do that. You're serving the collective in your own way, but but creating more spaces that light you up and, and fill um these desires, it might take a little bit of the pressure off, I imagine. Absolutely. It definitely does. I remember just like being so torn. I mean, feeling like I needed, I needed to be doing something else, you know, like just not being happy where I was. Like I need to be doing something else. I need to be doing something fulfilling. I need to be. And, and now it's like, yeah, no, I, I've, I think I've found the, the perfect balance and I'm just grateful. I, 
I'm, I'm just, I am very grateful to be where I am right now. Yeah. And, and I will just say, you know, thank you for reminding me because I feel very similar. This is, I, I do this. I, and, and just like you said, I listen to the other podcasts and stuff so I can remember when I'm getting caught in the drama, in my own fears and my own doubts, I listen so that I can remember. It's not so much now that although I do enjoy learning about different things, different frameworks, dimensions and things, and that comes through my own intuitive guidance, but also through other people. But it's actually less about needing to like learn more information and more about just wanting to remember the the frequency and the feeling state. Exactly. And I sense that's what it gives you too. And and me creating this was also an intuitive nudge. And I also had no idea what I'm doing and still barely feel like I do. But um, but I do it to remember. I do it, yeah, to express my truth and, and hold space for others. And it it fills me up in that way. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you. Yeah, this 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 feels this feels like a, a graceful place for us to start to transition out of this uh just amazing ride that I feel we've been <laughs> on together for a couple hours. And I'm really grateful to have uh participated in it because I was I was forgetting a little bit earlier today. And now mm. I'm remembering. Now I'm remembering. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's all. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're just uh, walking each other home, like Ram Dass says, right? <laughs> precisely. Precisely. Yeah. So then, um, as we begin to close out, is there, are there any last things you'd like to say um, about anything that you've shared here this evening or anything else? I just want people to remember that regardless of whatever you're going through you're not alone you are guided and loved and held and just trust the process and know that everything is temporary and even when it even when things don't appear to be okay everything will eventually be okay amen amen and uh, where can people find you? Because your podcast is amazing. I highly recommend it. So Thank you. Or, or yeah, or, or anywhere else they can find you. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like them to. I would love them to. Uh, my podcast is my name, David Devora. That's David, D-E-V as in Victor, O-R-A. Um, so you can go to youtube.com slash at David Devora. And my Instagram handle is David Devora, but the O is a zero. <laughs> And same with TikTok, David Devora, O is zero. Beautiful. And I'll put all that in the show notes for people. And um, this has been a beautiful journey of remembering. And and again, I'm just so grateful for you, David, for showing up here with me and for and for bringing all of you and uh, and for allowing not just me, but everyone who listens to this to get to experience that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. I feel like all of our conversations have been amazing. So thank you. And I trust there will be more. I, I believe that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you like the episode and would like to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen. And if you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out on Instagram, my website, or my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Dr. Daniel Atkins, where for $5 a month, 
you can gain access to all sorts of exclusive benefits and offerings for the Be The Vessel community. This includes live channeled events, a new healing series podcast, and more. Until then, may you be the light, the frequency, and the vessel for your highest vision.